If you'd spent seven years fighting an insurance company for a critical illness claim payment, would you become a passionate advocate for the product? My guest today is a financial advisor who dealt with just such a prolonged claim. But rather than put her off protection insurance, Caroline says the experience created a passion for protection. Now she focuses on protection advice, particularly critical illness cover and business protection. Caroline uses compelling stories to convince her clients of the need for protection insurance. Listen to Caroline's stories about critical illness cover and business protection. Hear her opinions on whether protection is too complex and where the product should go in the future. That's all right here in episode 21 of the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Hi, it's Roger Edwards here, and you're listening to the podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. For each episode, you can find the show notes and links to things we talked about at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. So let's get on with the show and prepare to be inspired. Before we move on to my interview with Caroline Hawkins, and as this episode is all about critical illness cover, I'd like to start by paying tribute to Dr. Marius Barnard, who sadly passed away last week. Marius invented critical illness cover in South Africa in the 1980s. I was lucky enough to meet him on several occasions during my career. Johnny Timpson from Scottish Widows was a very close friend to Marius and had this to say about him. Marius, friend to many of us, was not only a wonderful man, but he also changed the lives of thousands of people throughout the world. As a renowned cardiac surgeon, he assisted his brother Christian in the world's first heart transplant on December 3, 1967, at the Groot Schuur Hospital in Cape Town, South Africa. In later years, he specialised in cardiac surgery on young children, and he developed surgical techniques which were used worldwide since. As a surgeon, Marius saw firsthand that although he could give his patients extra years of life, without financial support, they often struggled financially. This is what led him to invent critical illness insurance and taking the first product to market on the 6th of August 1983. Since his first idea for this new type of insurance, it has been developed by insurance companies around the world with thousands of people every year having been able to survive financially as a result of it. Johnny was able to discuss the Seven Families Initiative with Marius and he was very taken with the collaborative approach that our industry is taking to engaging customers and he gave the industry his support. Johnny continues, Marius's final words to me were, Johnny, my race is run. And Johnny concludes by saying, friends, he has passed the baton on to us. Let's make sure that we carry it forward. So let's get started. Today, my guest is Caroline Hawkins. Caroline works for Direct Financial Solutions Limited. She's an experienced, fully qualified, independent advisor specializing in business protection, including tax-efficient life cover, key person cover, and shareholder protection. Also, personal protection 
life insurance, critical illness cover and income protection. She also specialises in large loan mortgages including international mortgages and buy-to-let portfolios. Her aim is to help individuals and corporate clients take control of their finances in a friendly and professional manner whilst bringing financial peace of mind. Like many financial advisors, Caroline concentrates on building long-term relationships with her clients. So, Caroline, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the Empath Podcast. Thank you, Roger. Thanks for asking me. Not a problem. How are you today, Caroline? Uh, Very good, thank you. Looking forward to having a chat. So, we're going to talk about quite a lot of things today, mainly on the protection side, and we're going to look at critical illness cover, we're going to look at business protection, we're going to look at how you became quite passionate about protection and, and how you've created a bit of a business focus for yourself in that area. But before we get to that, Caroline... Tell us a little bit about your background so that everyone listening to the podcast can find out a little bit about what makes you tick. Right, okay. Before I sort of go into the detail, which sort of led to me doing what I'm doing, I I talk about, I suppose, death and serious illness every day. Definitely not boring. I'm often referred to as that crazy woman in the gym because I do like to train myself hard. Usually there at 6.30 in the morning. Sets me up for the day. Have you Um, been today? No, actually, because I know I'd got this coming up, so I didn't... You didn't, you didn't want to be all sweaty and out of breath no, on no, the podcast. No, no, no. I thought I need to be, you know, fully focused on what I've got to do this morning. So, and 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 I do, I do another passion I've got. I love driving fast cars, obviously within the speed limits and and not breaking the law. And and I do think within me that there is that uh, racing car driver that's itching to get out. To be fair, taking up golf lessons recently, so that's a bit more of a calming influence for me. But with a view to building up relationships again with different people. So, so that's probably me. Got three grown-up children, a dog, Labrador. Yeah, and that's that. That's me. Where did your interest and passion for financial advice and and protection, in particular, where did that start? I would say that 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 started around about. Well, I, I joined financial services industry in two thousand and seven, following a divorce from my ex-husband. Prior to that, we'd set up an engineering company which had traded for fifteen years, was very successful. 25 employees, uh, got children at private school at the time. So we were dealing with large companies. And as I say, it was very successful. But during that period of time, my husband became very very ill twice during that period. First time when he became ill and, and took time out of the business, started to pursue a claim on a critical illness had to go back to work because we were still pursuing this and at that time I had to put quite a, a large chunk of our own personal finances in because ultimately he was key person. I could speak to engineers and, and, and keep the business going that way but he was the man that they bought into. So then carried on working, carried on building the business up again further and then on the second time that my, my husband was ill we took the decision to wind the company up which was a difficult thing to do at the time because obviously it had been providing a a good income we had five of our own family members were employees so it was a difficult decision but but we took it so obviously carried on pursuing the critical illness claim so so this claim hadn't actually been paid even the first time that he had the illness no and, and at the time, we had taken a policy out each for a very large sum assured to obviously cover school fees, obviously income, all of that. So at that time, uh, we were paying large premiums, but for large sum assured, 
we, we disclosed everything. So there was no issue of non-disclosure. And at the time when we first made the claim, they had said they needed an independent report specifying because it was to- total permanent disability, which w- was the area it was being going to be paid out on. So we did get an independent report, top of his field, came back saying he wasn't aware of anybody, you know, in his opinion, wouldn't recover, wouldn't be able to go back and do his name profession. And then obviously dragged it it dragged its heels a little they didn't come back for a few months and a few months later then eventually wanted a second opinion some years later and probably this was at the stage where we'd made we were still pursuing the claim when we'd wound the business up that was a a sort of a junior colleague to him who then came back said exactly the same eventually insurer went back asking for a third report opinion this time this young person younger person less experienced turned around and said he was aware of somebody that had, had recovered after 25 years and then he sure decided that they were happy with that one and that the other two hadn't been reports and only opinions eventually the claim did pay out after seven years we'd gone for barrister we had to go you know go all down that route and by this stage then we had split up my husband had then decided enough was enough and he really couldn't take any more and rather than pay out full sum assured they paid out half waiver of premium didn't kick in because they said once they pay a claim out they would pay that but ultimately that that didn't happen so difficult time um it couldn't have filled you with a massive amount of confidence in the protection industry i mean seven years to get a claim paid out is is really quite horrifying i, I can understand a little bit having been in in a protection business for a long time total and permanent disability has always been one of those conditions which medical people get a little bit concerned about can we actually say this is total and permanent but I think that after one or two years there must be a line in the sand that gets drawn and said look this is a valid claim or it's not taking it for seven years just seems to be really excessive and yet despite that experience that you've had you've gone on to become a real staunch advocate of critical illness cover. So how did you make that transition for being what I assume quite angry about how uh, that claim turned out to somebody who promotes critical illness so strongly as you do? I think, I suppose, as I, as I see it, I, I've been on, on that side of the fence being a company director and at the time an IFA had obviously discussed life and critical illness with us. We'd always had it from the age of 22. Business protection was never discussed at that time and I, and I know we might have still had that same issue but having been a company director I can see from that angle what a massive effect it has. When I came into the industry, I possibly didn't realise to what degree um, because I decided what you know trying to make mind what I wanted to do I, I still see the benefits of that critical illness cover but I am passionate about ensuring that my clients tell me everything even though there wasn't any element of non-disclosure but as I all say to clients tell me everything whether you think it's relevant or not because I wanted to have the best chance of paying out and to cover as many illnesses as possible but I like to thoroughly know my products know what the claim stats are and really to help clients avoid that situation maybe that we'd experienced because 
I got to see that side because I was ringing up the insurers. I was ringing underwriters up. So I got to see that side of it. And and, and now, so yes, I, I have life and critical illness cover. My grown-up children have it. And, and, I, and I am passionate about it from personal protection and from a company director point of view as well. So I, I think it's just key about knowing your insurers. Yes, there probably will be that insurer that I will not use, some less than others, but I, I certainly know them thoroughly and inside out. And yes, I, I do passionately still believe in it, very passionately, because I, my, my aim is that I want everybody in the UK to have some form of protection. I think there's quite a lot of people in the protection industry which would definitely agree with you. It's just a shame, isn't it, that the public still don't see the importance of these products. It, it, it's so important to get people into a face-to-face interview with somebody like yourself who can point out how valuable this protection is and, and what a difference it can make to people's lives. And just just um, finishing off thinking about the, the circumstances that, that we started with, with your uh, prior business, would you say that the illness that your husband had was ultimately the reason that that business had to be wound up and the fact that you didn't have the injection of cash at the time, if you'd have had the cash seven years previously when he had the first illness, do you think that your company would have survived that period of illness? Yes, definitely, because it wasn't, I mean, we were obviously in manufacturing, so there was a slight element of that the second time. However, definitely, if that injection of cash had gone in there, we could have possibly got somebody else in to, to just help speak to the engineers, do the quoting, things like that. I couldn't do that. I wasn't qualified to do that. And and it so yes, it would have either we could have taken it in to just tick that the business keep going over, pay the guys wages, but also taken somebody in to just try and keep that relationship going, do the quotations, somebody who's qualified to do that. So definitely So let's think about now how how you start to to talk about protection with your customers now, be it business protection, business clients and personal. What do you do to make this an important feature of, of the advice that you give. Do you tell stories to people about the I, I consequences? Do. Tell us yeah. a, tell us about the stories that you tell, Carol. Um, I've got uh, the stories at, at the moment that I, I do talk about. Probably got three, actually. Two of my clients this year, around about the same time when I, I'd rang them up, basically to keep in touch as I keep in touch with my clients, but also they were coming to the end of mortgage deals. And, and when I called them, it, it was both bad news at the same time, really, within a week. I, I'd rang one of them. They were looking for a for a house, and and, and apologies if I stutter a bit, but it, but it, it still does affect me actually. The, the first one in that they were looking for a house. They found a house. I was speaking to the well partner, weren't married at the time. His wife. He says, "Oh, great news! She's now pregnant." I said, "That's great. You know, fantastic." Found a house. Problem is, she's not been well, not being able to go out to view the house. So we'd had a chat. I gave him some advice, and then I didn't hear from him for about five days. Even though it was quite an urgent thing, and he wanted the advice, so I thought it's a bit strange. Normally calls me back. Got in touch, uh, and then on the Sunday, uh, he sent me a message to say, "Sorry, not been in touch. Just been into hospital. They've sent me home because his wife, uh, well, partner, was seriously ill." He says, "And I'm understating that." 
On the following Friday, I got an email to say she'd passed away. She was 32, 18 weeks pregnant, vegetarian, rarely drank, never smoked. And that um, happened so quickly. That's awful. She she'd got a rare form of bowel cancer, apparently, and that's what the issues had been while she'd been pregnant. They thought it was around the pregnancy. That basically, they couldn't remove it, but basically ate the liver, I think it was, quite rapidly. So, obviously, he was he's devastated. And I still keep in touch with him to see how he is. At the same time spoke to another client and she says oh I needed to speak to you because I've just made a claim on my critical illness cover uh, and she she's terminally ill she's still here amazing lady just absolutely amazing she's 43 started she's got brain tumor but it is actually spreading but again young lady her what she said to me to me was that she didn't think she needed critical illness cover till she'd spoken to me and now she's actively asking everybody have you got critical illness cover? Because she says, I didn't think I needed it. And as I see it, it's given her time, really. She's repaid her mortgage. Her husband has now taken, well, retired from work at the moment. And they've been able to go on holidays, do things whilst she's well. So as I see it, it gives them choices. And yet it's a traumatic experience, obviously, emotionally. But as, as I see it, you don't want that financial trauma as well do you really want to have to think about you've got to sell your house or what are you going to do because you you need to concentrate on either getting better or coping with, with what what is, is is inevitably going to happen and to go to my third story this was a lady actually that i met at a networking meeting there isn't a client as such yet but will be shortly she had taken a more she she basically had said to me and was talking about what we did that she'd had cancer two years ago uh, at the time she says when it was diagnosed we hadn't got any type of cover she said we've taken the mortgage out a couple of years before it was never discussed and she said I mean she did say she's either it wasn't discussed or I didn't understand it but she said we basically haven't got anything she was a company director with a husband the one that went out to get the work so she said I had to take time off we're in the middle of a recession and she says it really knocked us financially massively so she said for me now for her now what she wants to discuss with me because they've taken an employee on is look at some key person cover for him so again for her she hadn't necessarily received the advice but now understands the importance of it and wants to cover the the, the business side of things there really I think it's quite interesting, isn't it, how people will definitely see the need for protection once they see the consequences of an illness or, or something on a colleague or a, or a friend or, yeah. a, or another family member. It's just a shame that it takes something like that to effectively push them over the line to make them realise yeah. the importance. And it's a shame that it takes somebody to get ill or, or worse to die before that realisation happens. I just wish that there was something that we could do as an industry via advertising or more storytelling like you've been saying here, which we could get more people to make that realisation come true before somebody has to have an illness or die to prove it to them. I guess that's just the way things are, unfortunately. But the stories that you've told, Caroline, are really quite powerful. And, and, and personally, I believe that as an industry, the future of the protection market depends upon people like yourself, financial advisors, telling these stories. Because, unfortunately, the media, on the whole, will be telling the stories like the one you started with, the declined claims, the claims mm. that take seven years to uh, be paid. And whilst that was, a, in my opinion, a far far too long a process that you went through there 
I think that they are in the in the minority now. I think most companies do genuinely try to pay claims really yeah. quite quickly. But we still, you know, e- even if we got to the stage where ninety nine point nine percent of claims were paid, we'd still see the zero point one percent of claims on Watchdog or in the Daily Mail. They're always going to focus yeah, on the yeah. negatives. But if people like yourself and other financial advisors can tell more stories and get those stories into your websites, into blogs, into magazine articles onto even in the trade press and beyond we can start to build up a bigger picture of positive stories that ultimately will probably start to balance out the negatives and that's my ambition really is is to see positive stories coming from the financial advisor community which will eventually hopefully start to wash away the negativity that there is out there but the public are always going to have their problems with protection. So, Caroline, as a financial advisor, what are the things that people put up as objections to taking out critical illness cover? What are the, say, the top one or two objections that you get? And how do you overcome those when you're talking to your clients? I suppose one of the main things can be, I mean, I suppose I always pitch it and go in that if I'm doing a mortgage, it's like, well, that's as important, if not more important. And, you know, if then obviously it's going to come down to their budget and often it will say, oh, well, it's I hear it's really expensive. But again, it can depend on their age. As we know, all, all the varying factors. I usually, as an advisor, will probably go in with, with three options for the full amount of cover or if it is a mortgage, then give them that option that, okay, maybe that, that's a bit outside where you want him to sit. But what about this? That's you've got some life cover there and you've got some level protection. Uh, I do it within a plan generally and I'll have a policy each because I I can't see why you would not for for the slight increase in premium and then if they're really not comfortable with that then the basic it is not very often I do a life only policy very rare to be fair and the only time I probably am doing is that is a relevant life plan so usually pretty much I think that they've come to understand if they haven't already got an understanding of it and belief by the time we've discussed it and I've given them options and say look okay what about this so long as you've got you have got some some form of critical illness we can always look at that again as we as we keep in touch and and maybe incomes change but I suppose costing is definitely one of them that's probably the main one that it is expensive I was having a conversation with somebody recently and he came up with quite a nice response to that question a lot of people will say I don't want to take out critical illness cover because it's it's expensive and his response is well compared to what yes yeah I was going to say that yeah I've heard that before it's expensive compared to a cup of coffee it's not expensive compared to a flat screen TV Um, I suppose everybody just has different anchor points don't they Uh, and, and interestingly I've heard quite a lot of people on the subject of price and I think one of the problems the public have is they don't actually have a basic understanding of where the price point is so if you ask one person on the street how much will critical illness cost they'll say oh I don't know 20 quid and then the next person will think well, I don't know, 200 quid, and the next person say £2,000 because they haven't actually got the anchor point. And I think, obviously, if they come to somebody like yourself, you can talk them through the different options, and I'm sure that there's a, a good price that they can afford in order to give themselves some cover that they need. And often, like you say, you know, I, I, I have come across this sometimes where I will touch on and say, right, OK, and I have come across it where somebody's got paying £40 on pet insurance. It's that standard thing. And then you say, right, OK, yeah, and, and what about yourself? And they haven't got anything. And then actually, I think sometimes then the penny drops and thinks, mm, well, actually, yes, I'm paying that. 
on my pet insurance, but nothing for me. I was, um, one, I was once in a research, one of those research groups where you sit behind a mirror and watch the, the group talking about policies. And uh, I had this little microphone thing in my ear. It was like a Bluetooth and I could speak to the moderator who was actually in the room. And there was one lady who was being particularly vociferous about how expensive it was. This was just life insurance, not critical yeah. illness. And we'd said to the, the group, you could buy even into your late forties, a tenor a month could buy you about £200,000 worth of life cover and this lady was absolutely adamant no no too expensive too expensive too expensive and then about 15 minutes later she said that she was spending just like you've said there £35 on pet insurance and you just think hold on £35 isn't expensive but £10 a month for £200,000 of life cover you won't consider that Mm. sometimes people's priorities you know they just seem completely uh, completely skew with in my opinion it is I, I, I do believe though and I have a bit of a they don't and I, and I do think they need guidance whether that's on TV but I do think there are a lot of advisors out there that do not talk about protection whether they're frightened to talk about it and, and I do have a little bit of a gripe about that thinking I, I just think you do your clients such a massive disservice because at the end of the day they turn around and they won't and I come across that odd client that's just adamant they are not going to tech any out you know and I go through and explain it all isn't very often but yes there are people out there that you come across like that but I'd rather as I always say somebody tap me on the shoulder in 25 years and say to me gee I've paid all that money in Caroline and it's never paid out and somebody then come back to me and say why did you never ever discuss that to me because if I'd known about it I probably would have taken something out so I do think part part of that I do think is that not enough advice there are because I've come across advisors that don't talk about it same with business protection I suppose um and we'll all have a niche and what our passion is and what we like to do. Um, but again, business protection is one of those things that I don't think it is discussed enough either. And why do you think that is, Caroline? Is it because the products are too complicated? Does it take too much time to set up protection policy? Is it that... Possibly. Possibly, I suppose. And that's why I think being the personality I am, I like to know the details of things. However, it is knowing all that nitty gritty. And I think they are because you're now getting partial payments involved there is a great and I know you'll probably we'll probably discuss this a little later but the, the, there is a thing called CI expert which I've recently used that a couple of times because I've had a couple of really old policies where clients oh, we needing to change it for various reasons and that's quite an interesting thing because, because it will do that comparison and will say actually you've got all of those there and you've got points for that but the definition on cancer for example is far better on the old policy and then clients can then have that choice as well themselves and say actually that is quite a priority for me because there is history of cancer in the family or or no actually it it isn't I prefer having all those other benefits now so I do think people out there or maybe the public don't realise to a degree how complicated it is because they'll go onto a website a comparison website maybe and think well they're all the same I think that uh, CI Experts a marvellous piece of piece of kit in fact Alan Lakey who was the creator of CI Expert was guest number three on the Empath podcast 
passed away back um, back in June. In some respects, it feels quite sad that as an industry, we have to have an advisor put together a super duper comparison service like that because our products have become so complicated yeah. that the industry needs it. But then on the other side of the coin, it's what we've got. And if that sort of comparison engine helps people to make good recommendations, then I'm all for that. Do you think critical illness cover has become too complicated? You've mentioned partial payments already. You know, we're up to about 50 odd illnesses covered now, half as many partial payments and ABI plus definitions. Do you think that we've gone too far? Well, it's, it's a difficult one because it is that quality of how many illnesses are covered. Yes, you want to cover as many as possible, but if it's just that little element or degree of that benefit that's been tweaked a little bit, that again, us as advisors, we are not going to totally understand all of that because obviously it's medical terminology. So I think it is a difficult one and possibly yes, it is. And I think maybe it needs to be simplified a little bit. What, what Alan Lakey was saying in a, in a conference I saw him speak at recently was that he didn't think we could back away from the number of illnesses that we've covered but what we could perhaps do is is to collect them together into groups so you might get all the all the debilitating illnesses like alzheimer's motor neurone parkinson's that sort of thing and collect them together and call them something like debilitating illnesses or something that sounds a little bit better than that and then all the heart related illnesses so that the consumer doesn't see 50 separate conditions he might just see a group of 10 I suppose that could just be as complicated in the end, to be honest. Yeah, it, 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 I think it just is. It's just that the breaking down of the terminology terminology and the descriptions because yeah and I think that's why occasionally I've used CI expert because you think well actually what does that little bit there mean does that is that a better definition for the heart or is it not so I I don't think no because obviously part of my promotion is that I say you know I wanted to cover as many critical illnesses as possible I mean I would say looking at this obviously you've got the pre protect which probably the vitality aspect of that is great for me and this is obviously my personal opinion I think that is too complicated do I use them not particularly because for me as an advisor I think it's possibly open to the client coming back to me and saying I thought I was going to get a full payout it's only a partial payout and I'm only going to get that and I can see the other argument of it that on the other policies maybe you might get a partial payment out on on Protect, whereas you wouldn't on another one but then it could work that you, you possibly only get a partial one on that and you get a full one on that so it possibly is preferences and I think in the industry as a lot of people say with the pre-protect product you either love it or you hate it and I'm maybe in the camp where I don't love it to be fair. So just just Caroline, let's, let's just go back to the, the, the topic that we were talking about before we got into the complexity issue. And you, you suggested that the complexity was one of the reasons why some advisors don't talk about protection as much as perhaps they should. But business protection also interests me. And I think that when I was a product provider, the messages around business protection were always very powerful, but quite a lot of advisors did shy away from that. I think you also mentioned relevant life policies, which 
I think has opened the door to a lot more business protection mm. being written, but not as much key person and not as much shareholder protection perhaps as should be. What would you say to the advisor community, given your experience with talking to your clients about business protection? What would you say to them about trying to grow that aspect of their business? Um, obviously, I have personal experience of that uh, and that it's what what initially you might think well what's going to happen to your family but what is going to happen to that business if you are not there can, can that business continue will it still pay your employees or even if you're only one or two company directors there you know are you the key person or is somebody else a key person what happens if you're not there what then happens to your family what happens to your mortgage will you, your company cease trading will the bank call in your loan because they then find out actually you're not there, you're off through sickness. They then start to get a bit touchy and then wanting to call in any loans that you might have, any overdrafts that you've got. I think it is possibly, having spoken to, to a few IFA, well, quite a few really, and you, we discuss what we do and then maybe they, they concentrate, concentrate on investments and pensions. And I'll, you know, I will say, well, do you do business protection? They say, well, I can do it, but I don't want to. And I've had quite a you who said it's a confidence thing i don't really understand it i don't really want to discuss it so i think it is that having more confidence finding out a bit more about the product and as you say exactly a relevant life plan is almost as i would say a no-brainer really and and, and if you talk to a, a client a company director and having been there myself if the business is going to pay for the premiums and the benefits go to your family, why would you not? And it's tax efficient. I think I could probably run a whole podcast interview on the subject of relevant life policies. It, it really is an interesting um, area. And I think I'm probably right in thinking it's the biggest growth area within the advised protection market at, over yeah. the last few years. Perhaps one of the reasons why business protection hasn't been as successful, apart from the confidence issues that you've mentioned there, is... And going back to the stories that you mentioned earlier, there perhaps aren't as many positive stories about business protection outcomes as there are in the personal market. Mm. When you read case studies, the, the occasional case study we see in the media as opposed to the negative ones, they do tend to be about families, they do tend to be about mortgages yeah. being paid off, etc. Perhaps we need more stories about successful claims and how they've helped businesses survive financial difficulty and that would give uh, uh, advisors a lot more confidence to start talking about business protection. Yeah. And perhaps we need just more people like yourself championing business protection and networking and, 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 and helping people to overcome those confidence issues and, and, and relevant life to me without, without going off on a massive tangent about relevant life. I think relevant life is a really easy way into business protection. It's not as complicated as shareholder protection and wow. partnership protection. It's a great springboard that would get people into that business frame of mind. And I think it, it's, it's a good one for people to do that first step so caroline it's been fascinating to talk to you this morning it's great to uh, i've not done a podcast on protection for quite a while actually so it's oh, great to go back to my roots and, and talk about protection before we go i always like to finish at the empath podcast with a very quick fire round of business questions are you happy to stay for a couple more minutes just to cover that off Yes. If there was one thing that you could change about the financial services industry, you know, if somebody gave you that proverbial magic wand to wave, what would you change? That you'd have to take out some form of protection as a stipulation, at least uh, with your mortgage. 
I, I think that that is a must really you have to take buildings cover out and i think you should take protection out so that's what i would want to do what's the one business model product or campaign that's caught your attention in the last year even if it was from a competitor tell us what it was and what you liked about it I suppose at the moment there's, there's seven families that's just been brought out, um, which is obviously the charity-led campaign to raise public awareness of long-term illness or disability, which is aimed at, I suppose, the income protection side. But with that view to, to hopefully, and we'll see how that progresses really, to see if it can try and change people's perception and highlight the fact that, you know, the government, the state isn't going to look after you. And the effect of, I did read something this morning, how much it costs, you know, if somebody does claim off the state, how much it's costing. And actually, if we all had a little bit of, of personal protection, it, it would save a lot lot of money there. So I, I, I suppose I'm quite interested to see how that goes as a different approach and to see see if it, it hits a nerve a little bit with people more. Seven Families is fantastic. And, yeah. and of course, it's live now. Uh, I actually had Peter Lebeau, who's one of the originators of the uh, of Seven Families on the podcast. He was in episode 10, and that was before it launched. I think we're, we're now two weeks into the campaign and there's been already quite a lot of press coverage. I think they've done the first two of the seven families. So I'm with you on that, Caroline. It'd be really good to see how that develops over the coming weeks. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your life and or your business. Well, I suppose I'm not really an app person as such. Um, Obviously, I've got one or two, and I did touch on this one. For me, I, I just think CI expert. It's great. I don't use it all the time because there are policies I can see uh, which are beneficial to others myself. But I do think it's a great tool, to be honest. And I've always said this, so uh, particularly with your older policies. So although it's not an app as such, that that for me is my equivalent, really. And finally, what's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it. Again, it's a bit, I say a business stroke, probably life lesson type book, which is quite appropriate to me talking about death and and, and serious illness every day. It's called Tuesdays with Morrie, about a man, um, man's life and his slow death. Uh, and it's a true story which teaches you life lessons but re- really makes you think about life and death. To me, when I read it, it highlights ha- how you should live your life because for me it's not just about the sale. And I know I'm in an industry that is for sales but that, that that's not the be all and end all for me. But that I can make sure I open people's eyes to ensuring they're prepared for the worst happening and to remain as positive as as they can whilst at the same time having financial security. So for me, it's a great book, quite a small book, you know, not that many pages, but it, it just tied in with what I do, really. That sounds really interesting, Caroline. What I'll do is I'm going to put all of these uh, links that you've talked about onto the uh, the podcast website. So that's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath. There'll be a link to the fa- your favorite business book, and there'll also be a link to your contact details. So let's finish off by you telling everyone how they can connect with you on Twitter, LinkedIn, Google Plus or wherever it is, and of course your own website. Right. Well, you can contact me on email address caroline at direct hyphen f for freddie s for sugar dot co dot uk. Twitter is caroline hawkins at 
Caroline Hawkeye, and that's H-A-W-K-I-62, and then Caroline Hawkins uh, on LinkedIn. That's fantastic. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on to the Empath Podcast today and talking to me about protection in all its different forms. Let me wish you every success for the future, and hopefully I'll be able to catch up with you again at some point in the future. Lovely. Thank you. Many thanks, Roger. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast, also known as the Empath Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath for links to the apps and books and topics we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, I'd be grateful if you would leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a comment. If you are a provider, advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model that you want to talk about, do please get in touch. I'd be delighted to have you as a guest on the Empath Podcast. And before we go, just to remind you that nothing that my guests and I talked about on the show is intended to be financial advice of any kind. It's just our thoughts and opinions. Okay? Okay.